0: Hey, everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So, have you ever been a victim of a bait and switch before? A bait and switch? Uh, this is when you are enticed to check something out. So you are given some grandiose idea of what you can win or what you can get. It seems like this really like, unbelievable deal. And then when you get there, it's not as good as what you thought. It's way more expensive. you got to buy like 17 upgrades or whatever. And so you, it's a bait and switch. So you get baited. I'm a fisherman, so I love that word, and it's icy out, and I want to fish really bad. So the bait is that you think you're gonna get something and then yoink, you don't actually get that, you get something else. It is so unbelievably frustrating to get bait and switched. And I've been bait and switched in my time, and I'm sure you have been too as well. But let me tell you of an awesome story most recently for me uh, that happened. A few years ago, my family and I were all down at Disney. And this came from an opportunity to learn about a timeshare. Now, let me just precursor this whole story to say I'm not anti-timeshare. I'm not anti-sales. I'm none of that. This is just my story of how I'm trying to get free Disney tickets. (laughs) Disney is expensive. And so my family are down on this trip, and we we stay at this place, and we walk through the concierge, and they're like, if you would just listen to a one-hour presentation, we will give you two free tickets to Disney. And I'm like... No brainer. So I say, absolutely, but there's a problem there. There's four of us. I've got myself, my two kids. A little hemming and hawing, like, okay, we will give you four tickets to Disney for one hour of your time. Absolute no brainer. Totally makes sense because Disney is super expensive. So we go down into, uh, we leave our kids back, we go down in this presentation. We sit down and they've got snacks for us and drinks and super nice. And this guy starts talking and we explain to them, we are not here to buy. We are not buying anything today. We just want to learn. We're learning. Oh, absolutely no problem. Mr. Montano, that's great. I said, I want to be clear to you. We are not buying a timeshare today. I'm a pastor. I don't know if you've seen our average salary lately. I'm not buying a timeshare. What we are going to do is we just want to learn about this absolutely no problem. So the presentation's going on. He's asking all these questions and the hour mark hits. And so, you know, I start grabbing my things to get going. They're like, thank you so much for sitting through, the, through this presentation. I'm like, awesome. Where do I get my t- tickets even out of my mouth? Now we're all going to go take a view of these condos. And so I'm like, well, I, it's an hour and hours up. Like, no, no, no. That's just the presentation now you're going to go view these buildings. And so I'm like, okay, well, we can't do that. Our kids are waiting back in the room. Today's Disney day. We're supposed to hit the Disney parks. You can leave, but you get nothing. So I'm like, okay, I'm already an hour in. How much longer can this take? Now, by the laughter in this room, you've sat through these before. And so I said, okay, what's another 30 minutes? So we get into this big bus and we travel to this area and we're walking with our guide. And our guide is such a kind gentleman, you know, he's like, yeah, this is what we have, and I'm like, okay, we'll just learn about this. An hour later, we are now two hours into this process, we return back, and we get back to this thing, and then we're put into this room that I can only tell you looks like the New York Stock Exchange. There are all these little cubicles, and they take you into like this private booth, and they start telling you what a terrible person you are if you don't buy this timeshare. Essentially like, look, Mr. Montana, Ms. Montana, let me tell you. You can invest in your future and your family's future, and you can have a place right down here, right by Disney. It's the greatest thing in the absolute world. And it becomes real enticing. I'm like, thank you so much. No, thank you. We've told you that we're here to learn. We're not here to buy. And he goes, let me go talk to my manager for a second. And so he goes and talks to his manager, and then he comes back. I'm going to tell you what, we're going to be able to lower that price for you. We're going to lower that price, and we're going to give you more incentives. And I'm like, thank you so much. You know, veins are starting to pop out of my head, kind sir. We are not here to purchase, we are here for the Disney tickets and to learn about this. And he said, okay, let me go talk to him. I don't want you to talk to your manager. (laughs) I want Disney tickets, right? So now we are past the three hour mark. At this point, I'm like, we should have just bought the Disney tickets tickets. It is so not worth it. And so at the end of this week, we finally get down to this and now the manager comes over, right? So Magic manager comes over and he's like, okay, well, listen, here's, here's the story. We're going to give you all of this and this and this and this and this if you sign on the dotted line right now. And I said, I just said, okay, I'm going to try change my tactic. Thank you so much, sir, but we need to think about it and we're not going to sign today. In which he says, well, if you don't sign right now, you don't get this deal. At which point now I'm infuriated and I say, we are not going to buy a timeshare today. Now, these wonderful, kind, encouraging, smiling men turn somehow into gremlins, and they're like angry. And he takes, he's like, I can't believe you have wasted my day and my time. Uh, that's two of us, bro, right? So he gets the tickets. He takes two tickets And slaps them and like throws them at me at the desk. And I said, actually, sir, it was four. (laughs) He takes two more tickets and says, get out of here now. This whole thing, this bait and switch was such a terrible experience. And now half of our day is gone. We go back to the room. Our kids are like melted on the floor. we were supposed to go to Disney. And everything was wasted. And I felt so duped. And the emotions I had, if you've gone through something like this, the emotions are anger, you feel confused, you feel kind of like stupid in a way, like how did I let this happen to me? And like you feel when you get that bait and switch, there's these different re- these emotions that you have when you've been taken advantage of. And maybe you can relate to that. When you've been taken advantage of, there's this flood of emotions that come over you. And, and that's something that we're going to look at today actually in... The Bible. Did you know that they sell timeshares in the Bible? <laughs> totally kidding. Uh, there is a bait and switch that's going to be happening here, in which there's going to be a lie told and a trick that happens. That's going to be a bait and switch, and we're going to see the emotions that start to come out of this whole thing because it's quite fascinating. It's a crazy story. If you're new to Bible reading, Bible reading isn't typically what you think if you are new to it. A lot of times we think like it's like stories of all these great people and great heroes and these like warriors, which is true sometimes. And then you get a story like today of just these people are absolutely crazy, it seems, in what they will go through and the amount of sin that happens inside of the Bible. And so if you're just joining us or haven't been here for a while, we've been adventuring through the book of Genesis. We've been from the beginning and now we're pushing our way through. We have a few more weeks left. And this story is absolutely fascinating because we're picking up from where we were a few weeks ago, where Abraham was given a promise by God. Abraham was chosen by God to leave his country, and he's going to start a new nation through Abraham. And he says, I'm going to start a new people through you, and your descendants will be more than the stars in the heaven. And he's like, that's not going to happen because I have no children and my wife is old. So there's no way that my wife is going to have a child. But she does because God is smarter than us. So she does have a son. And this son now is called Isaac. And Isaac last week, if you were here or tuned into that, Isaac now is the son of uh, Abraham. And Isaac and Abram have this interesting relationship in which God tells Abraham to take his son up to be sacrificed which was a common practice that happened among the other gods of the region. So Yahweh, or our God, Jehovah, says, I want you to go and take your son up on a mountainside and sacrifice him. And so Abraham obeys God. And so he takes his son up onto this mountainside, and he puts him up, he puts him on the altar, and he's about to sacrifice his only son. And God says, stop, do not lay a finger on him. I'm testing your faithfulness. And a ram is there. He takes the ram. He replaces Isaac. And, he, and now he's seeing his faithfulness into will he obey what God tells him to do because he's the father of many nations, which makes a lot of sense because if Isaac died, then God's promise would no longer have happened of being a descendant of more than the stars. So there's this tension here that happens where God frees Isaac and it is the precursor of the first time we see the gospel of Jesus Christ being shown. Because God is going to put his son on the altar as a sacrifice, but his son's going to die for you. But Jesus is uh, going to be coming. Here Isaac is replaced where Ram is put in its place, which if you start to learn a lot about what happens in the Old Testament, why animals are sacrificed in the place for our sins. So we move forward now. This son Isaac is now alive, obviously, and he's doing well. And we fast forward in the story where Isaac is now 40 years old. So Isaac is now uh, in his middle age, Uh, not for him, they grew older, but 40. He is married and he is now uh, having his own kids. And so now we're going to see the story of how Isaac's kids are going to relate. Now, if you are picking up where we've been here for a while, in Genesis, the beginning, when sin enters the story, sin is corrupting generations and corrupting people, but God still uses messed up, broken people. And you're going to see in this that the sin of the beginning is still continuing in through the story as you're going to see the chosen ones, Abraham, Isaac, and his kids are all messed up. So we're going to be in uh, chapter 25 verses 19 to 34. This is just the precursor to the story, but if you want to get there uh, in your Bible apps or your Bibles, we're in chapter 25 verses 19 to to 34 Can we hit the lights up in the back so people can read today? We've got a big passage. It's not going to be on the screen, uh, so I want to have you guys be able to read that today. Uh, if you're new to Bible apps, uh, we use one called YouVersion. Uh, great Bible. Excellent. It has all different versions on your phone or on your iPads. But today we're in 2519-34, and a little bit later we're going to be going to a large passage, so you're going to want to read along. Today I'll be reading from the NIV version. It says this, this is the account of the family line of Abraham's son, Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, son of the Bethuel Armenian from Padon, Aram, and sister of Laban uh, the Airman. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her and said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. It's very important to note that. We'll get to that in a second. But the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out, and his hand was grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country. Uh, He must have been Wisconsinite. And Jacob was content to stay home among the tents. Must have been from Chicago. (laughs) I got lots of jokes today. Isaac! extra coffee this morning. Isaac, who had a taste for a wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished, and he said to Jacob, Quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That's why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, First sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is a birthright to me? But Jacob said, Swear to, to me first. So he swore him an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank, then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Here we have two brothers. Okay, This is now, we go back to, we're with Abraham, this is Isaac, this is the chosen one, and his sons now are going to be the descendants or the carrying on of God's promise to the people of this great, great nation going to be born. One comes out, he's all hairy, and he's red. So they named him Esau, which literally means Harry. Can you imagine that? How cruel is this? Like, deciding on a name. Well, he's Harry, so we should uh, call him Harry. Can you imagine kickball, right? So you're out for kickball. Oh, uh, we'll take Harry. Like, I mean, this is his name. It's Harry. They're describing what this guy is. So he is very, extremely hairy all over his body. But now Jacob comes out behind him, and As they're giving birth, somehow these two are intertwined while one is coming out, the other is coming at the same time, in which he's holding on to his heel or the bottom of his foot. So they are already, we see this jostling inside of there. This is going to be a word picture, and this is God showing us a story of what these brothers are going to be like. One's coming out, the other's fighting to come out at the same time. So they are seconds apart in their birthrights. So Jacob comes out, which means grasps the heel. So pretty much in that time when you were born, something that had to do with your birth or something with your family, that's how you were named. So grasp the heel is an idiom. So it means he deceives. So like if we say it's raining cats and dogs outside, it's not literal animals falling from the sky. It means that it's raining very heavily. For these people and in their time, man, that guy grasped the heel, means that he is shady. He's a deceiver. So Jacob is born like, he's coming out, he's like, dude, this guy's going to be a deceiver. He's going to be a shady dude. The other guy comes out and is hairy. So we have two sons, hairy and shady. (laughs) Super great start to this family, right? You got hairy, you got shady. This is not a good start. So these brothers are growing and we move forward in this in which the older brother's a hunter, And Jacob is more, we're going to call it nicely, he's a mama's boy. And what happens is that there's favoritism between the two sons, in which Isaac favors Esau because he loves wild game and he loves that he's a hunter. He is all into Esau. And then Jacob is over here who's a mama's boy. He stays home and just kind of hangs out with moms. And so there's a love difference that's starting to develop between these two. So these parents are playing favorites. Now again, remember in the Bible, the Word of God is such a fascinating, true word because it never shows its heroes as being perfect all the time. There's no mythology here or fakeness. This is like, we're going to tell you the story of what's happening. These people name their kids Shady and Harry, and they have their own favorites. It's not a very good start to our scripture reading today. So as we move on in this passage, he comes in and Esau is out hunting. Now He's out hunting, and he comes in, and he smells this stew, this lentil stew and bread, and he is so hungry. Um, And he comes in and says, I'm just, I'm so hungry. You have to give me some of that food. And Jacob, being the deceiver, the conniver, the shady one, is like, yeah, man, I'll give you some stew if you sell me your birthright. You've got to give me your birthright. I love the stew. I love, I'll do anything you want because he's being so dramatic at the time that I'm going to die. What does it matter if I give up my birthright? I'm going to die in 30 seconds if I don't eat, a.k.a. a 17-year-old boy in your home. (laughs) So he's saying, I'm going to die. What does it matter if I have a birthright? Just give me some stew. I'll do anything you want. But this is very important to note. A birthright is very, very important. A birthright is your inheritance. The firstborn son is going to receive double of what the other is going to get. So if you just think of it very simply, uh, the first one is going to get double of finances, double of all of the um, sheep and the goats and all the herds that they have, double of land. They get two to one ratios. Two to one ratios. And dude sold all of that because he was hungry at the moment. Interesting thing we can learn about that, Right? Interesting. We're not going to go on that tangent, but just think about this: How much do you give up something for the future because you want something instantaneously? Think about that. But so he is hungry. He wants this stew. He comes in and he eats this, and now he says, "I will sell you my birthright, and in my birthright now you are going to get my inheritance, and I will take yours." Fine, because in Esau's mind, if I don't eat this moment, I'm dead anyway. So what? You're going to get all of it anyways. What do I care? So he eats. He walks away. And then I just picture Jacob, and this is my mind, just twirling like his villainous like mustache. <laughs> like it's got the twirl up on the end. Like he's like, <laughs> phase one is complete. you know. So he now has the birthright of the older brother. And so what's happening here is, is this birthright and this blessing that we're going to go into is going to be the last will and testament of a father passing on. So we have our wills. Uh, when we pass on and when it goes to our kids, it explains how everything's divvied up. This is done verbally through the patriarch or through the father of the family. So now we're going to move up into Genesis 27. And this is where our passage really begins. This, again, is a very long passage. I encourage you to read along with this. Uh, we're going to read the entire chapter 27 because it's going to tell the entire story now of what's happening between Isaac, Rebekah, Esau, and Jacob. So. Uh, chapter 27. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau's older son and said to him, "My son, here I am." he answered. Isaac said, Isaac said, "I'm now old man, and I don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country and hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die." What is with this family and stew, right? But once again, food-driven. Now, Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Look, I ever heard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully to do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I will appear to be tricking him and I would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skins. Then she handed, her, handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you have told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son, Esau? He asked. Yes, I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate. And he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the son of my son. Is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, "'My father, sit up and eat some of my game "'so that you may give me your blessing.' "'His father Isaac asked him, "'Who are you?' "'I'm your son,' he answered, "'your firstborn, Esau.' "'Isaac trembled violently. "'Who was it then that hunted game "'and brought it to me? "'I ate it just before you came "'and I blessed him, "'and indeed he will be blessed.' "'When Esau heard his father's words, "'he burst out with a loud and bitter cry "'and he said to his father, "'Bless me, me too, my father.' But he said, your brother came deceitfully, and he took your blessing. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? Remember the deceiver. This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Then he said, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you, and have made all his relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with new grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you only have one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. And Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near, Then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebecca was told that her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, "Your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now, then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban and Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I will send word for you to come back here from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day?" Then Rebecca said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a woman from among the women of this land, the Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. Big story here, but it's all going to start making sense. Isaac is now in his older age and he can't see. So we're assuming that his eyes, he can see forms and shapes, but he can't really see what's going on. So is utilizing his other senses to be able to tell. He's using his hearing. He's using his touch. He's using his smell. And he's using these to recognize and identify his family. So in comes this need. Um, I want food. Uh, this is a hungry family. I want food. And so I want you to go and hunt some fresh game for me. Let's come back and celebrate and at this time, because he doesn't know when he's going to die. So he's not sure if he's going to die soon. He's getting older. So he's like, I've got to pass on my inheritance and my blessing now while I still can. Because I'm losing my sight. Who knows what's going to go next? So today is the day of us doing this. So out goes Esau. And then remember there's a rivalry between these two. Because one has a favorite of Esau. And Rebecca has the favorite now of Jacob. And so Rebecca overhears this and says, you know, I don't want him to get the blessing. I want my homie, my boy, my favorite. I want the mom of his boy to be able to get this blessing. So he goes out and then Jacob comes with Rebecca and Rebecca says, I want you to take these goats, takes the goats. This dude is hairy, right? He took goat skins. They didn't have electrolysis back then. They took goat skins and put them on his arms and on the back of his neck. So this goat skin was how hairy Esau was. He was a hairy, hairy man. And Jacob was bald like he didn't have any hair. And so these two are such different brothers, even though they were twins. And so they're completely different. She covers him in these areas in which the father would touch him with this goat skin and says, go in and he won't be able to really see you, but he will will touch you. And he take the clothes of Esau and put them on you. And he's going to smell you. Because you're going to smell different if you're out in the field, out hunting, out in the wild, than if you're full of perfumes and back in this, in this luxurious back. Because there's lots of money for Abraham and all of his family. So he would have smelled very different. The clothes would have been very, very different. So in comes Jacob and he comes into this and the trick has begun. Here is our bait and switch. The bait and switch comes in of this father trusting and knowing that he can't see and his wife and your younger son are duping him. And can you imagine the feelings of this being duped as here you are the patriarch knowing that you've been blessed by Abraham, blessing went to Isaac, Isaac now is passing on the promises of God to his next in line, which should have been Esau, but there was a bait and switch. And in this bait and switch now, he gives it to his younger son, not knowing that it was him. And so Jacob goes skipping out of the tent and in comes Esau with this fresh game and this fresh stew, asking, will you bless me? And he's like, I can't do that. I already gave that away. Now we have to culturally look at this from a different context because in our world, like just bless him too. It doesn't work like that. In this culture, the blessing of the patriarch is not merely what a father wishes for his son. It is a larger story of passing on the family lineage as well as all of the the last will and testament. And so this was unalterable. It's signed in stone, signed in blood, if you will, to show that kind of, it's not something just, oh, never mind, I didn't mean it. Now I'm going to give you this. Because the blessing he gave was to rule over all of his brothers, was to have abundance and to be a great nation, which was coming from Abraham to Isaac, now to his next son. But Jacob stole it. And so he can't change that. It's not something like, oh, just kidding. Esau knows this and he's like, are you kidding me? And you can see the emotion And that feeling of what just happened to Esau, that he's weeping and that he's upset. And Isaac, is said, is violently trembling. They are so angry at this because this whole thing just got completely messed up and Jacob stole everything. And so Esau says, is there not something you can give me? Is there any kind of thing you give me? And his blessing's like, uh, you know, you are gonna be ruled by your brother and at some point, this will change. That was it. There's, I have nothing left. I've given the blessing of my, of my father down to you. There's nothing left for me to say to you, son. I'm so sorry. So now, you've got this huge mess that Isaac incorrectly blesses the wrong son and this incorrect blessing, this is fascinating, God still allows. Because if we go back And we go back to what happened before in verse 36. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he's taken advantage of me. He took my birthright. Now he's taking my blessing. Then he said, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? He is completely out of luck because he's duped by Jacob. But God still honors it. It might be a different thought than your perception of how God works with people. Because in our mind, especially in our Western culture, and our idea of church, is that we have to do all the right things for God to work. But the problem with that is, is that humans don't do the right things. So if you are trying to get everything right in your life before you'll get right with God... Right, I hear that quite a bit. Or I have to get all my life together before I go to church because the walls will fall down if I enter them. Or I've got to get everything together and I have to be really healthy and then I'm going to start walking with God. It doesn't make any sense because that's not how God works. God uses messed up, jacked up people to still fulfill his purpose and his cause, which is always good. And so even in this mess, he honors what Jacob had said so much so that we go back to our first passage, Genesis 25, 22 to 23. I'll remind you, it said this. The babies jostled with, uh, with each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. They weren't even born, and God already knew. God already knew what was going to happen. God was already in the story, and God's saying, we're going to keep moving forward with the promise I made. And that's fascinating, because in my mind, I'm looking for, I've got to be great, excellent person, have all my ducks in a row, and then God will use me. And I'm telling you, that's not how our God works. Our goal is to grow and to be more like him, but you're never going to meet the mark. So if you're waiting from some magical time to get your life together before you follow him, you're absolutely missing the boat. He uses jacked up messy people like you and me, which is fascinating that he would love us. Because in this mess of the story, which obviously now it's every time we meet a new hero of our story in the Bible, they've got issues. It makes you feel good. At least we're not writing a book about your issues for, you know, thousands upon thousands of years of people to read. Their issues Our humanity, because we're seeing what sin does. Sin is still in the story. Sin has not been eradicated. So sin is causing all of these issues, the immaturity, the favoritism, the immaturity, the deception, all of this is still leading to something that's so beautiful. Jacob is going to become Israel. Israel is going to be the nation in which Jesus comes God's going to save the world through this jacked up, deceiving Jacob. That God is going to still allow the son of God to come through this lineage of Jacob, the nation of Israel, that they are going to become the nation with more stars than can count through people who are messy and messed up. But hear this, sin still has consequences. Because of his deception, he has to leave because his brother's going to kill him. So they have family strife. Uh, the mom, Rebecca, loses her favorite son because he's got to move out of the way. There is fallout that's happening and all this deception. It's causing all of these problems. But here today that God redeems all things. He continually redeems all things. So we can take huge comfort in your mistakes. Take comfort in your weakness. Take comfort in your flaws, but submit them to God because in your flaws and your weakness, God still can and will use you for not only your life, but for the greater cause of his purpose. When I was a kid, uh, we'd, we'd have church time and missionaries would walk in and missionaries would come in like you know, from other countries and they would come in and they would share their stories, right? So if it's from another country, they'd share their stories. Oh my gosh, let's hear this story. We're in Africa and we have these tribes and they're telling these stories, And I I remember sitting there thinking, those must be the holiest people that God has ever created. How could you give up everything and go to some country like that with all these? I mean, they must be the most amazing people in the world. And then I remember when I got a little bit older, I sat and I listened to my pastor preach. And I'm like, this man, there must be God, Jesus, and my pastor. He must be the most amazing human God has ever created. And I would sit there and I'd watch these these great men and these great women and think these are just untouchable humans and then I got to know them. And they're just like you and me. They're messed up, they're broken, their families have issues, they've got stories, they've they've had great success, they've had failures. They're broken people, but the difference is they've submitted themselves to God's will for their life and they say, I'm not perfect, I'm just here to serve my king. And so... When you take the shine off and you really look at the word of God and and see it this way, it looks very different. These are people who are willing to do the word, the will of God. And my friends, I want to encourage and challenge you today. You can do it too. You don't have to have everything together in your life to serve the Lord God. What it is is open hands and submission to say, I will follow the will of God and watch the crazy, amazing things that he can do in your life because God's plan is always in work in spite of all of our mess. And so I look at Isaac, I look at Rebecca, I look at Jacob, I look at Esau, I'm like, man, maybe my family isn't that bad. And I look at, I look at these things that are going on, and I look at these stories, and, I'm like, and I ask the question, God, why would you use someone like me to tell your story? Because he always has, and he always will. Friends, we celebrate today because God never baits and switches you. We do all the messiness, but God is not saying, hey, if you follow Jesus and I'm going to save you. But then it's like, yoink, I was just kidding. Now you have to do seven other things. That's not how God works. When God says it, it is true. He is the patriarch and he's given blessing. His word never changes. Just like Isaac could not change it, God will never change it. He has said it, it is done. And what we rest on today is God said, call on my son and you will be saved. It is true. It's never going to be a bait and switch. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.